Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. But other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go mm. back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next 6 to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at PortableChurch.com. Did you just have a moment during that commercial where you were like, oh, oh, if he had it to do all over again, I should listen to this. Because mm. you did that. You did that little home. <laughs> Right after you go, I, if I had it to do all over again, and you're all, hmm? Like you were listening to your own commercial. I, I, I was actually the entire time wanting to go, ooh, ah. <laughs> I wanted to like react to the commercial. It's been it's been a while since we've been here. It's been a while. Yeah, people don't understand that we, we've gone through three weeks of not chatting, nothing. It's weird because I've been on vacation. That it means and including vacation from Pete Mitchell. Which everyone needs to take a break. I tell my wife that all the time. You got to take a Even break. Even lovers me. need a holiday. I don't know what. Go you're Peter Cetera, Chicago. Do you hear that pop? I got a new mic. Pop, pop, pop. Oh yeah, it's you like need, Joey. You, you need to bring your uh, your spit guard back. I, I will. Your I will. Yeah. Peas. You know what? That's on my old mic. My old mic seems old, but I just broke my radial arm. First time using this, so that sucks. Well. Sometimes you you just got to let the mic know who's boss. Well, welcome, everyone, to Church Planner Podcast. I forgot we hadn't even introduced. I'm your uh, co-host, Pete Mitchell, along with Peyton Jones. Say hi, Peyton. Yeah, Church Planning Ninja, a.k.a. author extraordinaire. Hey, which, which, by the way, I was conversing with uh, my buddy Wayne, uh, who you know, and he said, uh, I always think of Peyton as Reverend Ninja. (laughs) Yeah, right on, man. That is as it should be. So right there. I'm just saying your name hey, is Reverend Ninja. You sent you sent me that picture of the place where you can do the ninja like archery 
yeah. shoot your friends with like bows and arrows. Yeah, there was some uh, Facebook ad for some local place. It just looked kind of fun. It's like laser tag, like, but with literally, bow and arrow. I will come running to do that. Like <laughs> I will abscond from my work duties. I have been trying I, to I, get my you. My boss listens to this podcast, so um, uh, I will do church planner missional engagement research at the Ninja Archery Tag Warehouse, whatever it is. I you you run around and shoot each other with bows and arrows. It's like laser tag, but with like Nerf bows and arrows that somehow register points. Does Does your boss seriously listen to this? He does. Is that why I've never been offered a position at Nam? <laughs> uh, not the only reason, Pete. <laughs> it's called compounding. That's right. There's a many faceted issue. Well, hey, before we get uh, too involved in smack talk after three weeks of, of no smack talk, uh, why don't you tell everyone what today's topic is? Today we want to talk about sexual predators in ministry. Hashtag me too. Exactly. <laughs> it was so funny because when I asked you before the show, I go, what's today's topic? You go, I want to talk about sexual predators in ministry. And I go, me too. Get it? <laughs> Hashtag uh, me too. Because <laughs> at first you were like, oh, good. You want to talk about it too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it it's one of those things if if you don't listen to the podcast, what what we typically do is we we talk the second part of the podcast and that is we get into the church planning goodness. And the first part is called smack talk. And I I think Pete and I just mess around during that time really. That's what we do. We talk about things that are important to us, but pretty much entertain ourselves. But um, yeah, you know, who, you know who came and hung out with me this uh, this past uh, week that you did not. Uh, yes, I do know because you you vexed my righteous soul by posting pictures of it. No, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, there's more. I hung out in my house with Caesar. Did you really, Caesar Kalinowski? I can't say his oh, last name. So that's I, awesome, dude. You, you just kind of like say it like that. And everyone, they know who you're talking about. Without Did you watch the 100-inch TV? No, no. He and his wife, Tina, came over and the three of us hung. Nice. Yeah. What'd you do? We talked shop. He said, since you won't return my calls, I figured I'd show up at your house. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. That's rad. Have you been calling him? No, he'd been, calling, he'd been calling me you? and I was like, working. And I wanted to get back to him, but it was working. You know how I work. So I work at the gun just range. Like, it's did a he lot. just show up at the house like it's hard knock, work. knock? It's hard work at the gun range, okay? I don't always have time to, to talk, you know, <laughs> shop with people. So, like, literally you're hanging out and he just, like, shows up, knock, knock? He goes, hey, look, I'm in California. Can we get together? And I'm like, well, I got this going on. And then he pulls the, look, since you won't return my calls, I'm trying to show up at your doorstep. And it seems like that's not working, too. And I go, all right, fine. Here's my address. And he came over. We hung out. It was a good that's chat. rad. Yeah. Oh, I'm impressed. Now I'm jealous. Yeah. And you want to know what else? I'm speaking at Exponential this year. With me? In my session? <laughs> I, should, I, should, I should go. It's going to be the greatest conference ever because I'm speaking at it. Well, that, that's what that's what people do on a Sunday morning right before they preach. I'm so excited. No, you're trying to get people to come to the church. Knock it off. You're not that excited about it. It's your preaching. Come on. What I thought was even funnier is uh, they give you a, a small little honorarium, and I'm like, so it's going to cost me five times that to fly out to Florida <laughs> and stay. I'm like, huh, not really working the math on this one. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you, but you're talking about my session, right? Or are you in Caesar's session too now? Dude, I'm main stage. You are not. <laughs> right then, there was like a, a plethora of emotions that went through your face. Like, what are you talking about? Hashtag, <laughs> why am I not on stage? Hashtag, me too. What? 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 This, this is unheard of. <laughs> Calling them right now. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. Yeah, so uh, so that'll be cool. Um, I do. I have to tell you about a funny little conversation that I had. Uh, I can't tell you the whole conversation, at least not on the podcast. <laughs> but Brandon Brooks and I were going back and forth via texting. 
Yeah. Because uh, he's been listening to the podcast. I thought for sure he had left like years ago, like a smart person would have. He did. And then he came back. And again. then he came back. And because uh, he was listening to the episodes of me going on my, my gun rants. And, uh, and so we started texting back and forth. And at one point, I had like this panic attack hit me go, Oh my gosh, what have I said in a, in a text that could be used against me in a court of law? What pictures have I sent him? I'm like, you need to erase this conversation from your phone right now to erase it, erase it. <laughs> and so now every time we have a conversation, he goes, by the way, I just erased that. <laughs> That's hilarious. That guy's so rad. Oh, dude, he yeah. sent me over the holidays for Christmas a snarf action figure. From Thundercats. oh my gosh, are you serious? Oh yeah, dude, I got a little snarf kicking over here. He's on my shelf. That's pretty crazy. I want to actually right now run over and go get him to show you and hold him up in front of the camera. That's kind of crazy. Hey, by the way, I thought you were supposed to be out of that place. When, when do you move out of the place that you're in right now? March. Oh, so you still have a couple more months to go. Yeah, you got. You still got some spare bedrooms. <laughs> I don't have any. Spare I'm hoping bedrooms. my my house is done by then. <laughs> or, or you might be staying longer is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, no, we're out. We gave our notice here, so we 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 could be homeless. So. That's kind of funny. I mean, not not really, but yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, it's, it's serious and funny at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So what? Hey, what's happened with you over the last few weeks? Catch me, man. Up. I, you don't. I want to say not a bunch, but well, I mean, well, let's start. We didn't do our post Christmas uh, episode because you were gone on vacation. I showed you I got like the world's greatest oh, yeah. Nerf gun for Christmas. Oh my gosh. It's a semi-automatic actually it's an automatic. You pull the trigger. It's an automatic once, and it just 24 Nerf bullets come flying at you. And it then, was rad. I did notice though in the video it was not Luke holding the Nerf gun. It, it was wasn't, dad holding the Nerf gun. Well, first of all, it wasn't Luke's gift. It was mine. Oh, really? <laughs> the wife knows I'm into to guns, so she got me a Nerf gun. And uh, secondly, it weighs about as much as he does. <laughs> so, so th the uncanny thing about all this is if you've been listening to the podcast over the last few years, you know that Pete and I both, we usually call each other, and we, we ended up texting each other that morning, but we normally call each other or text each other, what'd you get? And normally we get the same stuff. The one year podcast. it was Star Wars underwear. Sorry, uh, hit, hit the wrong button. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> that was Batman. Sorry. Well, oh, for the podcast? Yeah, my my bad. So, so uh, it's not the gift they deserve, but the gift they need. So that was the, the Star Wars underwear was that kind of gift. But this year, Pete goes, check this out. And I show him, hey, I got two Nerf guns, too. Like, it's well, uncanny. The funny thing was I said to you, I go, I already gave Jamie a welt. And you go, yeah, Andrea already yelled at me. <laughs> like, I was like, so I this is cool, dude. Like, my, my Star Wars Nerf gun. I have the stormtrooper one, and then I have I don't I don't I I don't know if it's Poe Dameron's or it's some some bounty hunter or something, but I I have two Star Wars Nerf guns that my wife said I will never again get you a Nerf gun. Like the kids kind of picked it out because it's rad when your kids pick out gifts for you because they get you kids gifts. Now, they don't get you like adult gifts. They get you they get the, you the cool good stuff. Your wife won't buy you. Yeah. So and and Andrew's cool. She's always like, hey, you know, like, you know. Uh, you know, pick something out for daddy. So I have two Nerf guns. And uh, and what's cool is when you pull the trigger, it shoots ultraviolet light into the the Nerf bullets so that they glow. So if you got the lights off, it they look like lasers. They glow green when they shoot and then That's they fade awesome. because it, they're glow in the dark. It's so rad, dude. That's really cool. Yeah. We we have to go shooting sometime. <laughs> we do. I'm gonna bring my Nerf guns over. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna like go shoot each. It's all gonna be about shooting each other with Nerf guns, shooting each other with bows and arrows. Shoot. Oh, we shouldn't shoot each other with your real we'll, guns. We'll, we'll go forget. to the firing range. We'll forget. We'll be so used people. to shooting each other. We'll be like, oh, these these won't hurt. We shoot each other all the time. Yeah. We call it the range here at the house. Luke goes, oh, I'm gonna set up the range, and he takes. You know, we got the stormtrooper, Yoda, BB-8, those those posters. Oh my uh, gosh. Uh, Poster boards, whatever you call them. And so he'll set them up and then we start shooting them. Man, that is so cool. I want, I want to have like cross, wrist crossbows, little mini wrist crossbows and go to a shooting range 
and do a bunch of ninja moves. I don't know any, but I, I would learn them if I had these crossbows and run around and just choo, 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 choo. or even Spider-Man. Why don't we have Spider-Man shooting ranges where you've got like, you know, web shooters, but it can shoot BBs or whatever. I don't care. You know, I've, I've, I'm not the Spider-Man fan. I, I, I always Me thought Spider-Man neither, was I would be stupid. for that. Oh, Batman battering. Why don't, why can't I go to a shooting range and throw batterings? Speaking of shooting range, just uh, saying, you know, I'm right. Today's Search your feelings. You know, this is true. Today's a big holiday for Pete. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yeah. Um, part of it is that part. The other part is I'm going to the range today and I am firing my 308 for the first time. I don't even know what that is. That's a really big bullet in a nice, nice gun. Wow. I'm really excited. That's it's cool, the, it's man. The top I, of the see, range. It's the top I of the range. I don't share this hobby with you. So it's you, like. I'm telling you, man, you, you have. Well, no. I can't afford it. <laughs> I can't either, but I choose to. <laughs> yes, I, I, I feel you. What's see, retirement? I'm, I'm getting this little thing called remodeling my house right now. See, I actually just canceled my health insurance. So I've got plenty of money now for, for bullets. Oh, man, that's rad. You know. Since they took away the penalty, I'm like, well, forget this health insurance business. Oh, really? They did? See, I don't pay attention to anything. You know, I, I actually, was... I actually don't know the whole tax bill, how it all works. I, I don't know if it. Had, I heard something about it doesn't take effect until next year's taxes. So I don't wow. know. Wow, but it doesn't really matter to me. I we were getting so ripped off by Obamacare, it was like absurd. Like it had reached yeah. the point where it was like. Okay, so my coverage has literally gone down to about 45% of what it was pre-Obama, and I'm paying now $1,200 a month. I'm like, forget it. Nope. Wow. I'm opting out. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, you could pay the penalty for years, and it's still you'd still be saving money. Yeah, well, we did the medical share plan. We did one of those. So, yeah. uh, you know, supposedly... Yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm, I grew up in the insurance world, so I don't know how all those work. But supposedly they're pretty, they're pretty solid. Very cool, man. But yeah, Very cool. Well, what's been going on in your life? I mean, there's not much to tell with me, man. I mean, I went up to Oregon. That's my happy place. That's where I wrote Church Zero. Caught up with Dave Thompson, church planner extraordinaire up there. Planted the door, getting ready to plan out again. Um, didn't snow up there. It was kind of dry, so we had to go up into the mountains and find our snow. I read uh, a bunch of books, as you know, as kind of my when I'm on vacation, I plow through. I read it. That was really kind of scary. Yeah, about the clown. Yeah, like the devil clown. That, yeah. that was pretty spooky. I read uh, Ready Player One. You yeah. did. What did you think? And by, and by read it, I mean I listened Best to book it on ever? Audible. Church Zero as a novel. <laughs> <laughs> I um I really really enjoyed it. They had me with uh, the Conan Armada, and I was like. <laughs> That's a star- last Starfighter reference, and then yeah, it dude. just like went one reference after another. Yeah, yeah. That 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 book is literally. I remember you going. If if you hadn't told me, I would have thought you wrote this. Wasn't that you that said that? Or Probably. Was that, was that someone? But else? you know, here's the thing. Because you know they're coming out with the movie, and I was like, the problem is the movie mm. can be nothing like the book right. because the book you can read these stories about playing Joust and Pac Man. And all the video games that you and I grew up on, but you can't watch that on the screen and think that it's cool, you know? So I think that's why the movie's going to be totally different. I think they're going to take a totally different, uh, twist with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. They, Cause, you know, so much of it, like you said, it's, it's Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, how are you going to act that out on film? You know? Yeah. They, they, they could actually, they could act it out. He could go into these things and solve those puzzles, but, Americans, you know, they like big explosion and I'm sorry, Pete, but big guns. Come on. They do. Yeah. And, uh, and like the, what I thought was really cool was the quarter that he wins. Yeah. That was awesome. Like you don't know what it is, but then when it happens, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Well, you, you know, it's going to count for something later, but you don't know the whole, but you almost forget about it. Right. Cause it was like, Oh, that happened way back when you don't even think about it. And then when it when it happens, you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So Pete, Pete and I both listened to that on Audible. Oh, I'm you, guessing you didn't read it. You listened to no, it. I I listened to it. Oh, okay. And it was fantastic. Same with it. So um, I cheated. I listened to that. I think that might actually scare the 
the bejeebers out of me if it, I listen to it. It's very creepy. Yeah, and it's almost it's that. almost too dark. I was almost kind of like it's 44 hours long on audio. Oh my gosh. It's like a 1500 page book. So I was kind of like, yeah, I can't really justify sitting down and reading that. But while I'm doing things, you know, packing, unpacking, you know, if I'm working on something, I, I had a lot of moving to do recently. It's great. You know, you, you just plug that in and boom, if I'm doing chores, you know, but uh, 40. Yeah, man, it, it was a little creepy, but you're already invested into it and you're going, oh, I'll see it to the end. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, quite a, a dark one. Yeah, that was a good book. I really, really, I'm looking forward to the movie, but I just, I think it's going to be such a different movie because I don't see how they, they can pull it one. off. Yeah. It'll be Spielberg. And plus, they got it. Is like Spielberg every, doing it? Yeah, he's doing it. And they, they've got everything, including Overwatch, which is a new, uh, you know, kind of team based shooter, first person shooter. Um, that's on there. Um, Iron Giant, Knight Rider, all that stuff's in there. Yeah, because he he drives Knight Rider around, doesn't he? Was it? No, oh, was it it's the, the DeLorean. DeLorean with a Knight Rider red flashing light, and that's right, that's right. Yeah. I remember something about that. So I mean, you know, it's basically like what we would do if you could create your own universe. That's that's what it looked like, like for us. Yeah, yeah. I might ride the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man around, put a little bit in his mouth, and ride him like my personal giant. Shoot marshmallow at people. That'd That's be actually kind of cool. cool. Yeah, <laughs> like that. It'd be like my dragon. My me dragon is <laughs> we rapido and nice. sticky, <laughs> dude. That's what I should get as a bumper sticker and just put it on the back of my car. I still have people that because we still got people starting back from like the first episode coming through, and I'll get people contact me and they'll make those jokes. You know, like that that are like, hey, I'm on the I'm on the podcast. I'm up to such and such. A, me drag on is muy rapido. You know, that's like old throwbacks to. Dude, what I think is up, hilarious yeah. is that they always reach out to you. No one <laughs> reaches out to <laughs> me. <laughs> it's funny. That is kind of funny considering that you're like the producer and the publisher. Yeah, but see, know. I'm not the reason why they actually listen. Like they listen for church planting goodness. I'm just there to tickle their ears. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know, man. I think once you, you get in, you know, there's kind of a mutiny that happens a certain way through, you know, where they, Pete becomes the real pastor. So I don't know, man. They see the light eventually. Yeah. Well, we should probably get into our topic. Uh, why don't you tell them all again what today's topic is? So today's topic is sexual predators uh, within the church. And this has recently become a uh, a big issue. And I, and I want to start at the outset of this kind of saying that um, this is not in any way um, an attempt or a – uh, an attack on any individual. I want to say that um, at the outset. In fact, uh, I'm not going to go into the specifics of it. I don't want to bring up any names or events or what it is. But Peyton recently in the Jones. news. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, recently in the news, um, it came out and Christianity Today covered it, that there had been an incident in the past with a, um, a youth pastor pastor who now is a prominent pastor at a big church um, who had um, uh, when he was an adult had um, had inappropriate sexual relationships with someone in his youth group and uh, according to the victim in this scenario she had brought it to the leadership of the church um, they said we'll deal with it. it it seemed to get brushed under the carpet um, what ended up happening was that the, um, the, the leader was told, uh, and the, and the girl were told you're not to have any contact with one another. And then eventually what happened was, um, she, because she didn't see anything being done about it. Um, I, I don't recall what time period had gone on, but, um, what eventually happened was, um, she just broke down you know, in her women's group and started sharing about, Hey, you know, I, um, you know, I, I, I feel so guilty. I feel so dirty, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was just compounding all of this just sense of she was keeping it bottled in and she felt so ashamed and on and on. So she, uh, breaks down the women's group. Well, of course, as soon as it goes in the women's group, um, you know, women's discipleship group, it's out now it's public. So the leadership 
moved him on through a big party for him, sent him on. And, you know, I, I get like they were trying to be gracious, you know, to him saying, hey, you're a single young male. You were you were uh, human, you know. But again, um, you know, the, the issue that was brought up by the article was this was a minor. This was um, someone in a trusted position of leadership. And in the wake of the recent Me Too um, it kind of movement within Hollywood, uh, it, it's time. And I, I remember saying this to you when the Me Too, you and I discussed this briefly in Hollywood, that we both thought it was good that these things were were coming out. Um, you know, it's good that uh, people don't abuse their power. But um, the, the issue that this magazine brought up or the, that the issue in Christianity Today and then Ed Stetzer also covered it where – um, when it came public, the church chose to stand behind this pastor and um, everybody's saying, well, hold on, this is kind of like Harvey Weinstein, where this isn't really, it, it doesn't seem like it ever really completely got dealt with or really was handled in the light. It's now come to light, but more because the girl years on has now said, you know what, um, I have to speak up. I have to, I have to tell people like, and we don't know how many people this may have affected down the road, on and on and on. So it's something that as we move forward as the church in this atmosphere right now, we A, we should be held to the same standard, if not a higher one. But number two, I remember saying to you, this is it's gonna start coming out now. As soon as the 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 Dutch boy takes his finger out of the out of the hole in the dike floodgates are going to open and pretty soon we're going to be seeing a lot of things coming out um, 20, 30 years later, maybe ongoing issues where people have been abused by people in clergy or people in, in positions of quote unquote power within the church. I know that's a oxymoron there, but we're going to see it. And so right now, um, you know, I think there's a couple things. A, we should never jump on anybody who has been the perpetrator in a way that that isn't um, that's merciless and you want your pound of flesh and, you know, you're just super angry. But at the same time, um, I think our witness to the world is very much on display. And so what I want to raise today is what should be our response to these scenarios? How should we handle them? Um what what should be you know obviously I'm in no position to to I'm not there I'm not in this situation I I don't have all the facts but I think it's a question that we have to grapple with as the church today you know this is going to keep happening and and we all know what the the effect of the the um, sexual abuse scandals in the Catholic Church has brought about with the world where really to be honest over the last ten fifteen years. Um, People have considered that the church is probably one of the least safe places to leave your kids. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, police will tell us this is where sexual predators go, right? And, um, and I, you know, I don't want to say like that guy is a sexual predator. You know, according to his own story, he says, look, you know, it happened once. I was young. I, you know, I, I feel I repented. And so I don't want to say, um, that this is, um, something that, uh, we need to um, jump on anyone personally for like, in other words, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want to attack anybody, you know, and, and I would, I would not put myself in the position to do that at all with this individual. But I do think that when we make decisions about how, what's the the right thing going forward, um, our witness is very much at stake in the world right now. Or did, was was I supposed to comment? <laughs> well, it, that was just the setup. I'm passing the ball to like, dribble, dribble, dribble. <laughs> wow, we went from telling them what we're going to do to just, here's what we're talking about today. Let's just dive right in. Oh, is that what we did? I, well, I thought you said we clearly, were into it. Clearly, that's what you did. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Hey, uh, but this I will say, uh, this particular podcast is brought to you by, uh, <laughs> this is my time, isn't it? This is. Yeah. All right. So, uh, guys want to talk to you a little bit really quickly. Our second sponsor today is, um, Regal Cinemas. And what they do is they help you as a church planner figure out where you can meet. Um, you know, it's not just a school or a community, uh, community center. 
that are options. They like you to actually have an opportunity to meet in a movie theater uh, where people traffic during a time they don't usually traffic, right before on a Sunday morning, right before the Sunday afternoon and evening crowd gets there, you can utilize that as public space. They've got a team of four church planners that work on their sales team. They will meet together with you, discuss options in your city at, like I said, a pretty popular place where people are already meeting. So if you want to uh, get involved in that, you can go to corporateboxoffice.com forward slash theater, and that's T-H-E-A-T-R-E dash church. Again, that's corporateboxoffice.com forward slash theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E dash church. Joich. I like it. I like it. So uh, today's Short topic. Our first one, right? T- yeah, no kidding. Today's topic is Me Too. Yes. Me Too in the church. That's a better topic. Yeah. Me Too in the church. Let's let's make that the topic. Sexual predators in the church is a little bit. Yeah. Well, no, I think one of, in the church. one of the things that you hit on that I was thinking about during your rant, and that is, uh, yeah, the Catholic Church has totally, I mean, the way that they handled their uh, their significant issues. I mean, they were not in any way minor to even pretend like they were minor. It, it, it was just not so much molestation, um, all that type of stuff. And the way that they handled it, I mean, just blew up their witness. Uh, the way that they've covered it up over the decades blew up their witness. So, um, right. yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, uh, this is, <laughs> this is the, the Protestants, you know, Turn at it now. It's our time. Right, because we look at the Catholics and we're like, oh, you know, um, so evil. Oh, that's why we shouldn't have priests and on and on. And, you know, you hear all the Protestant objections to it. And yet, um, here, here we are. It's going to be, it's going to be Protestant hour now. Yeah. For a while. It's going to start coming out. And, um, you know, I know someone who alone, uh, someone close to me who, you know, three people in ministry sexually assaulted them. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Three. Three. It's not as uncommon as people want to think. And so Yeah, I definitely want to think it's uncommon. So that kind of bothers me. You want to think it's I can I will say out at the outset right now, never in my life have I ever done some I've done my own share of messed up crap as a sinner, but I've never sexually assaulted or inappropriately acted towards anyone that I was entrusted to lead as a minister. I can tell you that now. Um, there will never be anything come up out of my past from that background. I, I was talking to Andrew and I said, you know, and that, that's not like a, 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 ooh, you know, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm just saying like, there comes a point at which for me, had I done that, I told Andrew and she knows us, we were just talking it through and I was like, babe, I just, I just would have resigned. Like it just would have been a no brainer for me that, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm now disqualified for ministry. Like I've done that. It's, there's grace, there's forgiveness. The blood of Jesus can, can wipe away any sin, but I'm done. Just a no brainer. I don't even know that I, I need to have a long drawn out conversation about why, but we just kind of nodded and she's like, I know, you know, like (laughs) she for sure would have made sure I was done. But even if I were a single male, you know, and I was, man, I was 19 when I was a youth pastor. My oldest kid was 18. Mm. I mean, they were they were dating age for me. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I could have easily farmed from or, or fished from that pond, but there was just a sense of no, we don't do that. And I can remember early on, um, before Andrea got there, I would give some of the kids a ride home um, from Bible study. I remember there was this one girl; she'd always want to talk about God, and I'd sit there. I was on my VW bus, and I'd sit there and I talked to her, and it felt a lot like discipleship and. And you here Andrea joins the so look like someone who would be driving a VW bus back in the day. Oh I my was, gosh. Man, yeah. Hair down to my butt. I mean, it was, it was rad, man. It, it, let me tell you about this bus for a second. <laughs> it had, it, it was all restored and it was cherry, man. This thing was so sweet. It had purple tinted metallic windows, <laughs> had the gray bottom white top. I mean, it had a slick paint job it? on it, wood paneling on the inside. Um, shag carpet on the inside. It had an original Jesus movement, Jesus save sticker from that era. Cause I bought it from the owner who was a total Jesus hippie from the church. Um, it, it was, it was the sweetest little bug 
In fact, when I brought it to the VW doctor down in Huntington Beach, he goes, where did you get this? And I said, I bought it off a friend. He goes, I haven't seen one in this good a shape for I don't know how long. And one day I was changing the oil and uh, my neighbor on the other side of, of the of the track, he um, took grandpa's, he was a minor, he took grandpa's car, he was like 12, 13 years old for a joyride, whistled at a girl across the street. And you know how like when you turn your head this way, you, you turn the steering wheel that way? He went straight into my car. Now, I had just been under it like minutes before, and I was leaving the, the pan under to drip the oil um, into the pan. And I'm sitting in front of my TV, and I'm, I'm eating my sandwich, watching Sally, Jesse, Raphael, or whatever it was, and I hear this bang. And uh, I run outside, and there's this huge dust cloud, and my car is two houses down. Picked oh my up my neighbor's gosh. car. He was going fast, dude. And he had an old Plymouth. It was like an old, big old Plymouth or Chrysler or something. You know, wham, just... Took that thing up, and of course the engines in the back, right where he impacted, and uh, it was totaled. It was gone. So I cried. The guy I bought it from cried, and uh, yeah, it was a sad day. Yeah, so no I, kidding. That makes me cry. But anyways, going back to the story, <laughs> going back to the story, um, my wife would be like, "Hey, you're taking so and so home, and and having talks with him in the car." She's like, "You can't do that anymore," and I'm like, "Why?" Like I was, I was innocent, man. I never even, this stuff didn't even cross my mind. Mm. Um, and Hendrick goes, I'm these little girls are going to get major crushes on you. And they probably already, I'm just telling you right now, they probably already have crushes on you. You just, you need to stop. And I was like, okay. You know, and, and almost everything through our, our dating and, and, and marriage and relationship, Andrew would tell me, Hey, dummy. You're doing this. You can't do that. You know, um, so-and-so women giving you gifts as a pastor. She's like, how'd you feel if some guy started giving me flowers or giving me gifts? I'm like, oh, you know, now that you put it in that light, I just thought they were like, hey, pastor appreciation day. She's like, no, you can take any gift you want from men, but from women, hun, it's kind of weird. And I'm what like, are you supposed oh. to do then when a woman gives you a gift? Ooh, whole nother topic. But, uh, give me the five I second make, version of it. No, I make an announcement. I made an announcement from Refuge Language. Hey, guys, I don't accept gifts as your pastor. I appreciate it. I just don't accept gifts. You know, that, that's just, I just make it a rule. And, and someone gave me a gift. And, um, and, and I remember it was really awkward and I accepted it graciously. But you know what I did? I went right back up there on Sunday and I made that announcement again. Mm, did you? <laughs> you know? I, d- I didn't smack him in the face, but it is weird. You know, it's very weird. Interesting. So, yeah. But anyways. Um, See, I, I never talked to anyone. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in no danger of getting any gifts. But, you know, it, this is the thing. It, this is where I'm coming from with this. I think one of the things, and, and, and again, I, I want to keep emphasizing, I don't know. Where the individual, the, 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 the person who perpetrated this, um, I don't know where they're at. I can't pretend to, I, you know, I, I think a lot of times you read the articles and you're super mad and you're angry and you want your pound of flesh. And, you know, for me, um, I'm very slow to speak, but then I feel like, okay, I need to help others navigate through this. Cause this is, this is a minefield in many ways. A, if you're in ministry and you ever cross that line personally for me, I think you're disqualified. I think you're out, right? Um, you need to be of good reputation, but more importantly, you need to have the right character there. And that's why Paul lays it down that you got to be the husband of one wife. What that means is faithful to one woman. If you're not faithful to one woman, Paul raises all these things. How are you going to be faithful to the body? Everything he puts there, you could apply it back to the body, which Paul does in a blanket statement at the end. For if he can't lead himself in his own household, how will he lead the body of Christ? So these things can disqualify you. And, you know, you can say, well, would I be disqualified forever? I think it's on a case-by-case basis. And I don't want to rule judgment on this particular guy. I can say what my own personal standard would be. And then what I can say as well is what's always worse than anything, including in this situation, what's always worse than the, the, the actual crime is the cover up because even the victim herself, she understood what, what happened. She understood in the article 
what happened. In fact, she, she points out that she was consensual in it. Um, it wasn't like she got raped. She thought, Oh, he likes me. He really, yeah. he's attracted to me. Maybe I'm the one for him. But then it was the cover up afterwards. And I think, you know, looking at Watergate, what happened with Watergate, Nixon was not personally responsible for that. In fact, um, Charles Colson, who was on, uh, he was Nixon's attorney. He says, you know, to this day, I do not believe, honestly, that Nixon had any knowledge of that. What cost him his presidency was the cover-up afterwards. And so I think what the world is looking at right now is they can all go, hey, you know, like you're human, like the rest of us. You're, you're human. You did something wrong. Right now in the, um, in the, uh, uh, in the social, uh, sphere, you know, with, with our politicians, with our newscasters, with our Hollywood actors and producers and media moguls, what we're seeing right now is that people are saying, we get that maybe you got a problem or you have a sexual issue or like you're human, like the rest, you just weren't good at hiding it or you acted out on it or whatever. We get that. What's worse is that this stuff lived, um, in, in, in the darkness forever. And it reached scandal level. And then eventually what's even worse than that is cover up. So when you hear that such and such newscaster paid millions of dollars to buy somebody silence, like that's where the public really goes, whoa, you know, it's always cover ups that are worse than anything else. And and from the victim's viewpoint, well, because that, the cover up is also said. an admission of guilt. And that's right. it, otherwise it's always he said, she said. But whenever there's a cover up, right. it's like, well, then you're guilty because you knew you did something wrong and you chose to cover it up. Right. Right. And so really, I, I guess the, the number one thing, you know, kind of what I do want to talk about is maybe, um, the issue of when these things happen, um, and, and you will during your career in ministry, you will face some type of abuse. Um, and I just hate to say it. I mean, you're going to face abuse happening at some level in your church, whether it's within a family whether it is in one of your ministries, whether it's, um, you know, it could be in your youth ministry. I've noticed in big churches, this happens a lot, a lot more. In fact, in the church where this happened, there are repeated scandals. And, and again, you know, uh, I, I don't know all the details of how they were dealt with, but what I can say to you as church planners is from the get go, you've got to establish policies that will protect people. A, no leader ever alone with a minor or a child or someone of the opposite sex alone needs to be in place. Um, th- those we've kinds talked of things about this just, too. If you happen to have um, same sex leanings, like obviously if you're, if you're engaged in homosexual activity, then that, that negates you. Um, right. But if like, Hey, you know what? I, I know I got these leanings, but I don't engage. Hey, then you also need to be not with someone of the same sex because right. the same thing could happen. So I, that's just the one thing that I always want to, to be really clear on. We can't just pretend like this is, you know, a male, female only issue anymore. Right. The world is a lot bigger now. And, you know, these these issues are now more in the forefront. So, well, and the church is notorious for kind of um, accusing the victim and protecting the perpetrator. So, for example, um, in the cases of domestic abuse within uh, the church, um, for decades, domestic abuse was going on in, in households, and um, the individual that was perpetrating it never was brought to accountability. It would be brushed under the rug, and it would continue to go on. And, you know, eventually it would it would hit the police. There are actual laws where you have to report these things to the police. Um, the, it is not up to your discretion. It is not up to your judgment. And I would say that each pastor, each church planner needs to be familiar with the laws of your state on this because they are there. And you can go to jail as an accomplice or an accessory if, I mean, a, an accomplice or an accessory. You can be culpable for some of this if you knew about it and did nothing teachers know this and this is kind of going back you can't imagine in a million years that any one of the teachers found in a sex scandal with their student would ever enter the teaching profession ever again you know they're banned for like they're they're done and so the question then becomes 
why in a place where trust is so important and our gospel witness is on the line, why would we have any different standard for I know those what people in ministry? Would say, people would say, well, because of the forgiveness factor. Yeah. And, you know, and I would say, well, hey, you know, that there's total, complete, free and full forgiveness right. um, for repentance. <laughs> right. You know, but that doesn't but mean you get into the same position. Doesn't mean you you have a, you know, hey, well, come on back into ministry then. Ministry is a sacred trust. Leading people is a sacred trust. And I, you know, I always tell people, look, if you're in ministry and you want to commit a fair, go for it. Just get out of ministry first. Like, and I'm, tell, I don't really mean go for it. <laughs> I was going to say, I just mean, you, you tell them, go I would, for it. you need to quit before you do that. Yeah. And instead, you know, it just, again, it just seems a no brainer. Like you're a minister. Don't, don't, don't drag the gospel witness. Like if you want to be a knucklehead, do it, but do it in your own name. All right. Don't, so so let, let me give you some scenarios because you and I both know of, Guys who have been uh, falsely accused of stuff. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of one guy right now that, you know, was accused uh, of stuff that he did not do. And it came out that he didn't do it. But it took time. You know, it took like six yeah. months. So we live in a world where, you know, um, there can be false accusations. And like you said, the bigger the mega church, the bigger target you got. But that doesn't mean that, you know, some guy with a little house church isn't going to have a target on his back. I mean, the enemy is going to use whatever he can. To knock you off. So right. let's say uh, something comes to light, you know, uh, a victim comes forward in whatever fashion. Um, you as the uh, the church leadership or as yeah. one of the people on the church leadership, what do you do? Do you immediately take them down? Do you immediately take away their pay? Are they fired? Are they suspended? What's what's the so if that if that happens to me, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to the victim. I'm going to talk to the victim and um, I'm going to get all the facts that I can. If they have not gone to the authorities, then at that point, um, because somebody needs to go to the authorities. I mean, that has to happen. And so now that they've come to me, I am legally obligated to go to the authorities. What I will do. If the person is someone who is employed by me under the church, I will find out what happens because um, I want to know before I turn them into the authorities, I need the full story. I need to know what's happened. Um, now, they may protest innocence, which often happens. Guilty people often protest their innocence. They always do. Um, what's that? <laughs> so they always do. Right. I want to find out. But, but in the case of uh, a case where I know of, where the person was caught, um, the individual who was the perpetrator of the crime, I mean the uh, the victim, went to the police first okay. before going to the church. That is the wisest thing anyone can ever do. And so I may modify my answer a little bit to say, actually, I may tell them, in fact, I would tell them, go to the police. That's what you need to do. Um, only because in the case that I can think of, um, the individual was a pastor he had done something uh, with a girl that was inappropriate, a minor, and um, tried to pay her off to get her not Ooh. to talk about it. And the only way that they caught him was she called him after going to the police. Police said, this is what you do. You call back and you say, I feel bad about it. I need to tell somebody. And they recorded that conversation between the two of them. So I'm going to change my answer based on that. And I'm going to say, you tell them to go to the authorities, right? Um, and he, here's the deal. I mean, that person has never told the full story ever of what, what they did. They have maintained their innocence, even though they were convicted on that recording. They've never told the whole story. They right. maintain their innocence all the way through the process, which is terrible. I mean, yeah, terrible. no, I, I'm because I know the case that you're talking about. And to me, I always thought that was ridiculous. I'm like, dude, you're on tape. Like, just come clean. You're on tape. Shut yeah. up. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, telling the everyone least you're you can do is uh, by way of repentance. And this is how I think it shows repentance. A person confesses and the person apologizes to the person they victimize and said, I was wrong. And it had nothing to do with you. And I was wrong to deny it and put you through it. Like, there needs to be as much healing as can possibly happen. And a lot of times the, the perpetrator is the only person that can, can 
can offer it from that angle to say, I was wrong and I, I don't expect it. I can ever make up for this, but please know that I acknowledge I was wrong and that that was terrible what I did. Like that right there, rather than someone saying, nope, she's lying, you know, till your dying day. Nope, it didn't happen or he's lying or whatever. It is just terrible. But if you're in a leadership position, um, really you're obligated to go to the law. Like I said, I would be, I would want the full story. You may never get the full story, but what you could do, I suppose, is if, if you want to do the proper thing, which you should, which is tell the victim, you need to go to the authorities, um, tell them what you've told me. Uh, I can be here. I can help you with that. Boom, boom. And if it's an allegation and there's no truth to it, Hopefully that leader has put themselves in a position where they can't be hurt. Like, for example, I'll just tell you right now, I have two girls. I have a four-year-old and a nine-year-old. My nine-year-old wants to have sleepovers all the time. Um, I tell my wife, whenever a sleepover happens, I will not be here. I just will not even be in the house. I will not stay the night. I will not. Um, I just won't be around. That just will never, ever happen. And my wife is totally cool because I've had a friend who took foster kids in who um, was falsely accused. They found he was innocent. Um, this child had been accusing in, in every house she was in was accusing people of doing it and confessed later that he had not done anything. And he spent years in prison. Mm. And I told Andrea, you know, and he, he was amazing. Like he was always a guy. He had been in Sunday school. He was the guy that I watched him fire people. I told you, you can never be alone with a kid. I learned a lot of what I know from him. And, um, so I, you know, part of me was like, I can't, I wouldn't think he would have done it because he protected himself. But once he had a foster kid, um, he couldn't, you know, and his wife said, look, he was never alone with her. So that, that, as far as I know, that couldn't have happened, but it didn't matter The the, as a leader, you've got to have these policies. So what I do, let's say I'm a senior pastor. This happens. My youth pastor is, um, you know, this happens. I've, I've told you so far, you tell her to go to the, uh, the authorities. They do that. You're going to have to do that. And for me, it's more important to see justice served. Um, if, if the individual was innocent, like in the case of my buddy, um, you know, it's so tough, man, because you don't want someone to go there, but you also don't want people to be able to continue to hurt kids. And so um, the the number one important thing, I think, is to uh, outside of, of telling the victim to go to the authorities is and you do have a legal obligation to that. As I said, you don't have a choice in that legally. You will go to court for that. You will probably uh, face jail time if it's found that you knew and you covered it up. Number two, um, you need to be upfront with the congregation. I'm not saying do it on a Sunday morning, but somehow you have to con- the communicate with, um, the, uh, the church. It's part of your trust as a leader that you let them know, Hey, there was a risk here. Um, we've dealt with the risk. The, it's in the hands of the authorities. Okay, so we want to let you know, let's, what I want to get at here is because we don't know what's true, what's not false accusations happen. Okay. I, I love, I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent. You know, I would say right then there in the office, Hey, we're going to call the, the police right now. We're going to have them come and take a full statement. You know, you can do it at your house if you want, but this is what I legally got to do. Since you're here and you haven't already called the police, let's just go ahead and call them. And you know, we'll, we'll go from here. Do you then say to that person, hey, you know what? This has come up, this accusation. My gut feeling, I'll just tell you my gut feeling is, you know, we immediately got to take you, put you on leave or something, however you want to call it, until this situation has been thoroughly looked in. But at the same time, for me, I don't feel right in essentially firing someone, taking away their livelihood when we don't know. Is this real or not? I'd be like, look, well, I we think put you, what on you leave, can do, but we got to yeah. We're going to continue to pay you yeah. because we don't know if this is real or not. It's not cool for you and your family. If all of a sudden you lose everything, but you bring up an amazing point, And that is, for example, um, we forget that the victim often is the wife and kids of the leader who's perpetrated this. That they, Not only are they devastated and their world's turned upside down, but often what we do is we then strip the, the, the leader of his livelihood and we put his entire family in jeopardy. 
And so I, for me personally, I think that that church should be, as we know, true religion is to take care of the widow and orphan. I believe that we should um, carry that family. They are victims as well. You know, it's not their fault that this has happened. And yeah, so I think during that time, you know, hey, daddy's going to prison. Um, it You need to look after that family and don't cut them off. Don't, uh, don't further victimize them by taking their livelihood so that they can't pay their bills. I've watched it happen. Um, I've seen it happen not only in those situations. I've also watched it when a, when a, when a, when a leader dies that the church is, well, time to get a new leader. And suddenly she's, she's poor. I remember seeing, I, I won't go into it, but I've, I've seen people nearly crack under that kind of strain. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, that, I mean, this is such thought. a heartbreaking topic and I wish. Yeah. It, my, my whole thought on the whole thing was just that is that, you got to take care of things legally. You got to take care of things within the church, you know, immediately put them on leave. But hey, we're not cutting your pay until we find out what's really going on here. If we need to fire you, we'll fire you. But, you know, we're not going to take away your livelihood until we know what's what. And, and then, you know, we got to go to the church. We got to let the whole church know this is what's going on. And I think if you've got that kind of, uh, hey, guys, here, here's how we handle things in our church. This yeah. has come up. We don't know if this is true or not. First thing we do is we immediately call the police and we give the police a complete report. We don't sweep anything like this under the carpet. We immediately put, uh, you know, Joe Bob on leave. We also don't take away Joe Bob's pay because the reality is we have no idea if this is true or not. And we're, we're not going to just automatically assume guilt. We're going to find out. So Joe Bob is on paid leave right now. But if you want to know why is Joe Bob not here, that's why he's not here. And we have no idea. And we're going to find out. We're going to work with the authorities. We're going to let them take point on this. There's legal issues that need to be considered. Um, when we know more, we'll share more with you. This is not something we mess around with in our church. If it comes out that it's totally innocent and this was false, we're going to let you know everything. We don't want to be accused of hiding anything. And I think, I think you got to take that kind of, you know, let's just be open about it all. Let's tell them ev- all the different moving pieces that are going on. And, you know, for me, I would be like, how much of this can I make public? Like, you know, if, if we have conversations, the board meetings, can we record those and put them on our website for the members who want to see it? I know a lot of people would go, that's insane. That's crazy. You're putting your dirt out there. Yeah, we're putting our dirt out there because this is important to us and we want everyone to know we're not hiding stuff. I don't know if that's right. appropriate. I'm just saying this is what I would do. Well, I'd be like, how much you can bring I share? up a good point? It, it always looks shady when the church refuses to talk to the media because they, oh, you know, we don't, we don't want people to think weird of us. Well, people are going to trust you more if you're upfront and open and, and you get on and you say, Hey, this is devastating to us as a community. We pride ourselves on taking care of kids. And then this is where it comes in where it's really important. We had policies in place. We try desperately to enforce those policies. Unfortunately, this individual found loopholes. We'll be closing those loopholes. Boom, boom, boom. Like you, you need, you need to have policies. You need to reevaluate your policies. You need to shore up your policies. Um, all these things are super important because um, at the end of the day, people are going to trust that openness. And so the importance of telling the church is really that, like, for example, um, my my daughter goes to a school where literally, like, they will shut the gates and lock them in, man. Like, you know, if something, if something in the neighborhood is wrong, you know, we got a bomb threat. They send us a text home. I get recorded messages, texts. I don't know if your school does yeah, this, yeah. but I get emails and it's like, it's, it's like this. It's almost over. Ja- Jamie, when she would, uh, she worked for a thing called Child Guidance Center and she'd go do her therapy in the different schools in our neighborhood. And, uh, she would get stuck at school. Because anytime there's any kind of threat in the neighborhood, they close yeah. it down. She's like, crap, I'm stuck here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Leave. It's like a lockdown. Yeah. But they also communicate, hey, parents, um, we there's an individual in the area. He has a gun because <laughs> where I'm at and probably where you're at, um, where <laughs> well, I'm at. That's but it. I'm the guy that's with it. the guns. <laughs> no, my kid, the city my kid is in. I mean, it's a good school, but I mean, there's some nastiness around that neighborhood. And so yeah. um, we, we'll get things a couple times a month. 
and they'll always tell us what the situation is. And I, when it first started happening, and it's really interesting, Pete, because under the, the current principle, we don't get them as much. But under the other one, we were told about every little thing. I remember saying to my wife, you know, they did not have to say that. They did not have to tell us that. But I tell you what, I feel 100% confident. My kid's in good hands. It built trust when they let us know every little thing because our most precious thing is our kids. Like there's nothing else I care about as much as my kids. If the church, you know, if we cannot let people know that, look, we care about your kids more than we care about our church. We care about the individuals more than we care about the institution. Then people are going to leave anyways, right? People are going to feel that it comes through in your values. Um, and you will be the kind of church that creates a lot of broken bodies and wounds and a trail of blood and shipwrecks behind your wake. And we need to be the kind of church that says, Hey, Let's stand together as a community. Like, like there needs to be, like, there's potential after situations like this for people to come together and bond and to build on that brokenness and to build trust. If they see that you as a leader put individuals first, right? You put that person first. You put that victim first. You put that family first. Um, it's just, I'm telling you, it's, it's, we're going to be dealing with this. And in church planner, I hate to say it, it's one of those podcasts you don't want to do. But you know that you need to. And if if what we've said today helps you to further protect families, further protect victims or potential victims, um, and eventually when you come, God forbid, when you come to that moment where you have something that you need to deal with, um, that <laughs> that you uh, that you know what to do and yeah. you know how to act in a way that doesn't betray the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I tell you, man, it's, it's a, it's a tough subject on so many levels. Um, but one of the things that I think that you hit on that I just think it's, it's, it's worth repeating is you have to keep in mind there's more victims than just the one victim. You know, the spouse, if there's kids, there could be kids. Um, you know, and you and I have talked about this many, many moons ago on one of the podcasts. When it comes to child molestation, a lot of times the spouses know about it because they help facilitate it. Yep. And so you might actually have two perpetrators, but if they're still kids, those kids are still victims. Like their own kids are now victims now. Right. So, I mean, as a church, our response, it's, I don't think it's going to be cookie cutter. I think Mm -mm. it's, I mean, the reality is it's going to be as messy as anything can be. And you just kind of got to just be open about it and be willing to talk to everyone. This is what's going on. And we don't hide stuff. And we're not going to hide this from you. And, you know, we're, we're going to lose people over this who are going to leave our church. And maybe they should be leaving our church. You mm. know, the reality is, is maybe maybe we've done something wrong as a church that we could yeah. have a hole that we could have plugged that unfortunately we didn't. But, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be messy. And it, it's just, you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hey, um, guys. <laughs> this has been yeah. another happy Church Planner Woo-hoo! podcast. No, but, you know, it, it's okay because, you know, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain out there and a lot of people suffering. Personally, I'm glad that the Me Too movement is hitting the church because what that means to me is that there are victims that will be heard. There are victims. And, and this awareness will raise the issue. We can't hide things. We can't brush it under the carpet. You can't have scandal on top of scandal. And that is the cover up. Like I said, just think Watergate. Watergate's a perfect example. Nixon would still have remained president if he hadn't covered up what happened at Watergate. It was the cover up that cost the presidency. And I'm not saying, hey, it'll be the cover up that cost your pastorate. That's not what I'm saying. That's not even in my mind. What I'm saying is the cover up is as bad as the actual crime. And if you're in a position of leadership where that happens, do not cover it up. Put all the policies in place you can. Choose your leaders carefully. Keep them safe by having policies that protect both them and potential victims. And then lastly, should that time come um, where you do have to deal with it, deal with it honestly, above board, be transparent, um, be humble, look at your policies, reevaluate your policies, fix your policies. If it was 
a policy issue. And at the end of the day, um, like Pete said, be humble enough to say, Hey, this happened on my watch. Maybe it's time for me to get out. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe someone else needs to be steering this. I, I have friends who have said, should it happen on their watch? Not only could they not live with themselves over that, um, but they would, they would be done just because they felt I failed the church to a level where, um, that was my responsibility. I think that is the essence of true leadership is that heart and that spirit that says, ultimately, I am responsible for this. And, uh, if, if we don't feel that kind of burden, Paul said daily, I am burdened by all the churches. Those are churches that he planted. And he said, who sins? And the very next verse, he says, who sins? And I don't inwardly burn. Paul felt this stuff very, very personally and very powerfully. And I think all true leaders do. Mm. I'm with you, man. Um, and uh, let me just give a, a quick little plug here for our final sponsor. Hi, I'm Scott Blair, church planner. If you are anything like I used to be, you probably woke up feeling alone and somewhat isolated today, wondering to yourself, why isn't there just one place that I can go to discuss the things I really care about, like bear attacks, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Game of Thrones, and even Christology. Well, I'm here to tell you such a place now exists. This is not make-believe. I would not joke about a thing like this. Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones have created such a place. No, no, no. It's not heaven. They didn't create that. But it's the next best thing. The Bivo Ministry Inner Circle. And you can find all about it at BivoInnerCircle.com. Dot com. Well, guys, this has been the Church Planner Podcast. Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 